I'm gonna connect a couple dots. Will AI ever become authentic? Will AI ever have imposter syndrome? (laughs) Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is our pilot episode. We finally did it. After the success of all the hype sessions in 2022, we decided to turn on the mics and the cameras. We talked about ChatGPT and how to innovate after you've been laid off. We discussed whether burnout and sabbaticals are trendy and so much more. Our hope with these conversations is that it fuels your innovative ideas and gives you confidence to continue to build with Kingdom Principles. We're approaching technology with a faith-filled perspective. Now, I should let you know that this was recorded more than a few weeks ago. The AI-powered chatbot developed by OpenAI, as you know, it's called ChatGPT, was still kind of new and just starting to trend, and we were just jumping in. And just as it should be with any emerging technology, it has developed quite dramatically since then. Some might say taking a turn for better or for worse, we will see. And I know we're gonna have more conversations where ChatGPT comes up. AI is just so interesting to talk about. Okay, one last thing. While I have your attention, Hype Sessions is hitting the road this year. New York, Miami, Chicago, back to Silicon Valley for the Amen Conference at Vive Church and then out to London. If you want to learn more about this, go to hypenetwork.org or stick around to the end of the episode to hear how to get on the guest list. So here you have it, our pilot episode of Hype Pod. I really hope you enjoy. Can ChatGPT give us um, the generation? Oh, yeah. That would be a walk in the park for church. Well, here's the thing. Okay, well, we're rolling. So can, do you want to just talk about it? Yeah, I'm ready. Um, we're talking already. Is that red light? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think this is a, I mean, I think we just talked about ChatGPT, which I think is really interesting. But um, I was reading, a, I was listening to a podcast, Ezra Klein's podcast. Okay. And he had, um, oh, what was his name? Oh, my gosh. A gentleman, professor... Um, Gary Marcus, who wrote an uh, essay on how AIs hit a wall. Interesting. Or it will hit a wall. Or machine learning, deep learning will hit a wall. Interesting. And it brings it back to truth. And it was a really interesting conversation they were having around. Oh, the wall is true. The wall will be, it has to be, because, and I might be misquoting and paraphrasing, but the way I understood it, which I thought was really interesting, because I jumped in and I started, like, we were writing lyrics, we were writing stories and we're like this is gonna be amazing and um i was slightly skeptical i'm sure everybody right. was about it but but then um what it, it was saying was just like it is obviously a machine mm-hmm. synthesizing information yep. giving you pretty accurate responses mm-hmm. but drawing while from a wide base while it's intending to have the ability of cognitive human mm-hmm. thoughts or ability um, it still has no connection or responsibility to the truth source of whatever you're asking. So it wouldn't, you know what I mean? And so in his, in his essay actually talks about someone asking, like, I had a hard day. What should I do? You know, sorry about your hard day. Should I end my life kind of thing? Right. And, oh, and the response is yes. Wow. Because it's just synthesizing information. And so it was really well, based yeah. on the facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Based yeah. on the facts that yeah. you're having trouble, an easy way out is yeah. yes, end it. Well, Jordan That's Pearson nasty. actually was talking about this um, in something I listened to recently where it doesn't have the feedback loop of action in the real world yet. Right. Which yeah. they're saying it will. Eventually. Right. Okay. One thing that's interesting to just add a layer of perspective to that, what you just said, Katrina, yeah. is Jordan put um, a question to Chat, chat GPT uh, because obviously it's learned on top of his books. Right. He's a well-known uh, and yeah. published yeah. you know, author, and he writes a book um, around the 12 rules yes. of life. Yes. Yeah. And he asked Chat GPT uh, to write the 13th. Rule life. Oh, okay. Based on Jordan Peterson's books, with the framing of the New King James Version oh, Bible, yeah. In addition to this philosopher right. that he looks up to, mm-hmm. and what was interesting is like he was sharing on this podcast that one of those things uh-huh. um, would be pretty hard in and of itself, right? Those three vectors that he added yes. to the question to Chat GPT is. Yeah. Pretty impossible for a human yeah. to be able to do. Right. Chat GPT did it in four minutes. Yeah. Wrote a whole chapter on the 13th yeah. rule. And Jordan Peterson uh, Peterson himself said it was unrecognizable 
in terms of if he wrote it whether, or yeah, if whether it was well, and that was Jordan's in his tone. In his tone. Yeah. But see, that's the, that's what's so interesting. <laughs> I mean, can we just say this is a little scary? Let's it's, be honest. Yeah. It's it's impressive. Yeah. Um, and it poses a lot of questions, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, I say scary, you say impressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, like the, the the technical ability for it to do that is like yes. yeah. incredibly impressive. The computational yeah. um, load that it was able to take, the speed yeah. in which it was able to write a whole chapter. It took me, I just wrote a book recently. It took me like months yeah. Yeah. and a lot of brain power. Yes. And I feel like the book's good, but you know, yeah. probably could be better. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so yeah. I'm just like, wow, four minutes to write a whole chapter on Jordan Peterson's level, who's probably one of the most popular authors yeah. of our day. For sure. Where my mind goes is, is this, I'd be interesting, interested to get your guys' thoughts is, okay, you have, um, uh, generative art yeah. uh, based on AI. Yeah. So, you know, apps like Lenza, you have chat GPT that's learning on pretty much any textual language yep. um, and probably learning on audio language now mm-hmm. too. Right. Um, so basically cultural language, it's yep. learning right. off like the internet, yes. essentially. Yes. Um, you know, what happens when AI can sound exactly like Jordan Peterson in terms of authentication yes. in the future. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's also remarkable about that uh, is that it wasn't just writing a creative story. No. Like mm-hmm. a creative story, can come up with a creative story with these parameters. It's taking an author like Jordan Peterson, Technical. who is psychology, yes. philosophy, and, and having to understand that, bring those sources yeah. in, but literally just spit it out at speed. Wow. That's why I say that's scary. It is scary. It is scary from the standpoint of today, mm. you're replicated on Instagram mm. every other day now. Yeah. There is a different Adam Smallcomb handle yes. that's trying to, we know, Mimic. solicit yep. money from our members right. in our church. What happens when those become even more realistic? Really good. Because right now, yeah. like, you know, most of the millennials in our church are not getting tricked by it because, like, the message is, dear brother in Christ, would you give to, yeah. you know, the mother of God, you know, ministry or whatever. And it's like yeah. fake. It right? doesn't sound like yeah. me. It doesn't yeah. sound like you. But what and happens so when it does sound like right. you? Right. <laughs> I think also, you know, what, what we're going to bring into this and what I, why I say it's scary, maybe it's the framework of what we know. So when we're looking at art uh, and culture, so much of that or even the the writings of Jordan Peterson is because we follow his his theology, his thesis, his ideals, yes. or the artist. We know the artist, so the artwork has mm-hmm. got value. Um, in the future, when you've got, uh, you know, AI art, will we care less about the artist and just appreciate the art? Right. Or will we care less about the author if AI is just generating thought? Does it matter who's the thinker or if it's just a collision of, you know, stolen ideas? Because the AI isn't coming up with anything net new necessarily. Mm. It's poaching and drawing and conceptualizing to amalgamate ideas. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, um, that's interesting. When you wrote the rap lyrics yeah. the other day, did you feel that it was net new? Did you feel it was just a representation of what you would I have came up was... with anyway? Oh, because you did, did. You, you yeah. did something with ChatGPT. Yeah. Yeah. So we put in complex math rap lyrics in the style of Wu-Tang. Okay. <laughs> and it was, it sounded, it, like, if you read it with right. RZA's cadence and everything, it could have sounded like RZA. Right. And, um, but I would say it's pretty generic. Like, mm. I think, like, to to your question, I mean, I think what, what you're posing is really interesting, and I don't know, I, I kind of sit on the fence, mm. Pastor Adam, but... To your question first, um, Vance, I would say it's generic, and I think you have to be complex in your asking. You know, it's so how you use the tool. It's right? how you. Use Isn't the, the analogy here though, like yeah. sampling? Yeah. Because sampling, I think people were like, "Nah, that's not yeah. real." Like, it but is. but then Kanye came, and it's like, "No, no, that's art." No, <laughs> right. but see, but I, I would say that's a really good analogy of it because it's the complexity and the stylistic ability of a person to take the samples and do what they do yeah. with it it's, the it's like to use the tool. vinyl or serato it's like you know the more technology furthers your ability to mimic something i think and that maybe this is what i'm trying to get to with your question pastor adam is does it then 
elevate a tier of true artistry if, if you're not using AI. Sure. You know what I mean? And should it? And so my response would be, I think I would still care about the artist because I think it should level the playing field. Like yeah. with everything with content creation now, like you've got an app, you can make a video, you can create anything that you want right. and create a brand. But really, can you provide the service? Can you actually continue to have a business behind that, right? I don't know, but you can pose it. And um, I think it distances now someone who can actually be really, really good at film. So Katrina, what this may just be, what you may be admitting to yeah. is that AI, the emergent of AI, ChatGPT, these kinds of AI constructs are going to create a generational divide where you've got think so. the old schoolers where you're like, no, no, I still care about the artist. Because you think you, your, your point about sampling, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, you, you go all the way to Rick Rubin and uh, Beastie Boys. Yep. These were the first, these were the guys who sampled and pulled in a telephone into the right. song and different yeah. things like that. And the traditionalists were like, that's not hip-hop. That's not, sure. right? Sure. But the new school in that yeah. season was like adopted and it changed the trajectory of hip-hop today. Yeah. So... And then it left people, created a generational divide. Right. Is this yeah. one of those moments? Is this one of those markers? Oh, yeah. With the future generation. So I don't know what we call it. What do we call your kids? What gen are they? Because my kids are Gen Z. I don't know what they are. Your what? kids are definitely Gen Z. Uh, Lennox, Leo, 7 and 8. Um, yeah. Is that a new generation? It might be. I feel like, and I don't know if it's called Alpha. We could probably alpha. figure that out. We could Google also that. Also, going back, so we went from Z to A. I think that's what it is. Of the alphabet again. Uh, so, so is Gen Alpha going to grow with AI as a uh, a modern calculator? I think because remember when the calculator came into schools, they ended up changing. At first, it was like you can't you can't use a computer to mm-hmm. help you make additions. Can use it, yeah. yeah. But then they changed curriculum. Yes. To fit a calculator. Oh, for sure. My pre-cal class was only a calculator class. So will they change (laughs) curriculum in schools to allow for AI-enhanced learning? I think so. I mean, um, it's funny. Aya's going into kindergarten um, this year. No, TK this year. And as we were touring the school, they were talking about video production and how it's coming in already in preschool. And so they're teaching them just narration, and then they're going to teach them what a basic... um, like what scenes look like and how you stitch them together and what it looks like when you're doing like a talking head. And so with every stage, they're talking about video production. So I'm certain That's AI amazing. will come into it. But I think to rebuttal that, I mean, as soon as as soon as soon chat AI came out or chat GPT, um, the New York public school system banned it immediately. Yes, because right? yes. they didn't want kids using yeah. it to write their essays yeah. and things of that yeah. nature. I think that's going to change. I okay. think yeah. that... So that's the knee-jerk reaction right now. We don't know how course. to handle it. We don't know right. how to appropriate it. We don't have the, uh, I guess, the curriculum to approach yeah. it. So yeah. let's just ban it and then maybe come around it later. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Because it's not going away. Definitely not going away, right? But right? I think to your point, though, right, if, I, if unless you can ask the complex question, you're not going to be a good... Junior. It's a new skill. Yeah. You actually have to become a good um, critical thinker in the way yes. you ask questions. So, like, if you're writing... An essay, for example, on any book that's on the ninth grade list, you'd have to know what to ask. It's just like spark notes, like when I was in school. You know what I mean? Let, let, like, let's use another example, though, because I think this this is an interesting yeah, example. No one spark notes. Yeah. yeah. I oh, it's how I got through all of my advanced classes because there's so many books 100%. on the list, right, right. and you just had to hope Cliff that notes, the teachers spark didn't notes, really yeah. know what the updated spark notes were saying. A right. thousand percent. Sorry, that's it. Right. Totally yeah, yeah. No, you change the words a little bit. But make sure you can't. don't do plagiarism. Okay, yeah. I would say the skill I learned through those classes, which I think these kids will learn, is. Learn the system so that you can yeah work you the can system. innovate the system. Yeah. You know, I mean, when Google first came out, exactly, you yeah. didn't know how to Google things exactly. But right. now you know exactly what command to put in to get what result you want. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I think even the complex question in GPT is going to actually be a natural question. I don't Got think it. it's going to have to be mm. such a barrier of entry because no. learned machining, yeah. as AI is learning us, we're learning AI. Yes. So we're learning how to use the tool. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think you said it earlier, though, and I think the concept is, does this rise all tides? Yeah. And does this even the playing field? Yeah. I think another analogy here is, has uh, the iPhone, right? right, And this is a great camera at this point. Right. um, Portrait mode, cinematic mode, uh, Instagram. 
you know, formatting, filtering, all that type of stuff, has that just created more creatives? Has that net new added yeah. to a, a, a basic standard level no doubt. of artistry? Yeah, no doubt. Right? And that invited like sure. millions of people into yeah. that space that never would have known how to use a Fuji camera or a Canon camera. Totally. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it automated some of the complexities of the process for sure. Right. And so I would say because of that rise of tide, you actually created a surplus. Yes. Yeah. Um, you created, it wasn't a net negative. So your point is AI won't do away with, it'll enhance, it'll lift the tide. Eventually, I so. think so. I think there's a lot of like, okay, how do we use this? It's so new. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you, how do you use an iPhone? How do you use touchscreens? How do you use right. Instagram? And then people catch on pretty quickly. Yeah. Sure. And then it was like, oh, I can, I can run a business on Instagram. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think it's just that it's, you know? the public accessibility to it will definitely rise the tide. Because I think when you look at during the pandemic and all of those articles about so many journalists that lost their jobs yeah. because, I mean, essentially AI was replacing them. Yes. And you can, what you used to do was go on a PR wire and, and synthesize that as a human and take that and write your own article and get your leads and all that stuff. But now, you know, obviously you can write, read article to article and you can kind of, I don't know if you can tell, I think I can tell, I'm pretty skeptical, but you can well, kind of well, read well, whether it's you're tell, AI. You're telling me you can tell when you're reading a news article if this is a genuine journalist, think, real I, life journalist, I would or say AI journalist. I think yeah. I can tell because it's, I think oh, that I don't the know if, casual language is so common now. Interesting. Right. In in what you want to think is a legitimate journalistic article, right? I was reading one just last night, but literally, the, the language is so casual. It's right. like he was not there, as opposed to what you would hear from a journalist in the past of you know. It just be a little bit more professional. Good. It's not. It's actually quite casual. It's like you're listening to a person just talking. Yeah. So, and I could be wrong. But I, so I do you think then this is going to maybe, I mean, what we have seen, right, with a lot of media and I think through pandemic and through the political scene that we've just been through, what we what we're confronted with was headlines, headlines yeah. that were beating. And what we learned is that people only read headlines. Mm. So people yeah. were drawing conclusions based off headlines. Yes. So... Uh, what was done away with was actually any real content that had fact. Right. Yeah. Did that forge the way for AI to not even be based in fact, but just to create headlines? Yeah, that's true. I mean, Mm. if you're learning off a... Because if a journalist doesn't have any conviction about not actually having any facts behind what they write, Mm -hmm. how does a machine have any guilt? I think that's the point. I think that's what makes me the most skeptical is that there is no... There's no moral compass right. <laughs> of AI. And there's not even a sensibility, right now at least, to synthesize whether something is worth fact-checking, you know, or who the source is. Because it could have been, to your point, yeah. like a fake pastor Adam, right? Yeah. Um, and then you synthesize the information from that, you know, person saying, hey, beloved, right. that language. Yes. And then somehow combining it. So... Um, I think the body of work of all journalism has become a little sloppy. Mm. I'm probably really boldly saying that, but it's like wow. sloppy online. Oh, yeah. For right. Sure. And so with that, for sure, AI synthesizing sloppiness and yeah, that's, value. You know, that's like, interesting. Maybe I can distill it a little bit more to a specific use case because um, I think it'd be interesting to look at from this vantage yeah. point. So the way that um, OpenAI, which is the creators of ChatGPT, mm-hmm. can work is that you can actually train its models on a specific set of data. Yeah. So let's yeah. just actually take it to Vive Church really quick. You know, mm-hmm. the church um, that we're building and we're here in the Silicon Valley, the midst of the Silicon Valley. And let's say we train um, OpenAI's technology on top of all of our sermons historically. Right. right. Yeah. Okay, how is that potentially useful? Maybe... Um, ChatGPT becomes another person in the sermon prep room. Mm. Yeah. Not saying that they're going to write the sermon. Right. But they can be another perspective, mm-hmm. probably the best historian in the room. Sure. Sure. <laughs> of how we've grown as a community yeah. and how we might think about growing in the future. Yeah. Right. I don't know. For as as a as a leader, as a communicator, is that, would that be helpful to have a base? 
and yeah, not start from scratch. Previously, we've life. had that person as Vance Roush. Memory. <laughs> they literally, Vance, that's been you. Literally, like, hey, what was that sermon we preached back in, you know, 2015? You, you know, in November, second week. Oh, yeah, you know, called to be this. So, oh, that's right. So, so you have been AI up until now. Um, so but true. if there's an even more accurate like, Vance, my goodness. Yeah. How would that help you? Like if we just, if we, if we were creating a company right now yeah. <laughs> and this was one of the verticals we wanted to tackle yeah. and serve pastors all over with this incredible technology, how do you think as a pastor, as a communicator, as a leader of a community that that could potentially help? Wow. I mean, that's a great question. I think, I think in a, in a few different ways, right? I think what we would have to do is maybe measure the success of those sermons to a degree. What are the, what are the mm. success indicators? Right. What sermons resonated within the community, maybe based on shareability, yeah. uh, met felt need in, to a degree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how did that sermon, maybe you're looking at view count online. Right. It's hard to measure how it resonated within the moment. Yeah. Um, just to begin to surface, okay, when we really tackle this topic, it's it's hidden target right um and, and so maybe if there's those metrics that can be built in that yeah. that element in the process is like hey we should we should drive it home in this way right or we should really you know come from this angle right i, I can see how that could benefit if you had those engagement metrics would it produce um a stephen furtick message <laughs> <laughs> right because because no and i say that in that way because there's probably teams at places like elevation i'm not here to single out elevation but there's probably teams at certain places that have done a level of that analysis yeah. maybe not on the level that chat gpt could do yeah where they actually know key words yeah. and key things sure. that are resonating with the culture yeah right yeah. Um, and so, right. yeah, I wonder if a version of that is kind of already happening. Well, I think we've already got versions of that, you know, based on, say, YouTube, where exactly. you're seeing, um, you know, how to yeah. is already going to get tons of views. Yeah. I know if we if we label our sermon how to, right, it's going to get way more views. So interesting. Simply because mm. everyone searches YouTube as a how to. Right. How to change my car filter, how to yeah. wash my dog, how to. Yeah. So already you've got the first two words of somebody's search. Yeah. They like one of, and, and this is an omission. Okay. One of our all time viewed podcasts uh-huh. is how to build an altar. Yeah. yeah. And we're going in there and we're breaking down. Yeah, tens of thousands of views. <laughs> how to build an altar from, you know, the old Testament, the, the process, but really our lives is the altar. Christ yeah. is the altar. But people literally have searched how to build an altar, and the comments are hilarious. They're like, I didn't learn how to build an altar, like because they were literally trying to learn how to build an altar, and they feel like we fooled them. That wasn't the intention. Um, so some of those <laughs> metrics can be misleading because you know it's yeah. like search engine. But um, I definitely think they can look at the trends on what topics are getting a lot of views, yeah. and that's definitely shaping their sermons. I think the danger of that is. You start basing your ministry more narrow, yeah, right. Because yeah. Right, 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 views right. equal attendance equal uh, giving. Yes. So therefore, if we don't preach down that line, yeah, we know what the result's going to be. Yep. So it actually narrows your field yeah. of ministry, yeah, hundred percent, rather than broaden it and maybe even touching on topics that people need to hear, yeah, uh, rather than what they want to hear. That's probably the adverse effect of it. So in a, in a weird way, you know, we went kind of niche in this topic, but yeah. it's going back to the similar theme of at the end of the day, is AI going to produce something that new? Yeah. Or really, yeah. as humans, are we right. really the only ones that have the true capacity to create? Right. Like create something that new. Right. Yeah. So I think yeah. philosophically, I don't, and technically, I don't actually know the answer. I fundamentally believe we do. Yeah. I believe that creativity is is inherent in human in humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we are uh, creative beings. We are created and creative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I understand and my knowledge of it is very limited. I'll be admit that. But it is based off learning. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's yes. based off drawing and connect, on a wide range of, mm-hmm. of of a broad spectrum for sure. But it's not net new creating, it's collecting. Mm -hmm. And I think collecting is different from creating. But it is, it's collecting and again, getting to the sampling metaphor. Oh, yeah. 
it's synthesizing sure. to produce something new. So sure. in a way, it does have the ability to innovate a process. You know what I mean? And oh, so, is it yeah. remixing or is it creating? That's the I question, think it, right? Well, I think that's where it's intentionally headed is that it can, through synthesis of so much information and various responses, that it could produce something that looks like a new creation, you know? Sure. Um, I agree. I fundamentally agree with you. Right. But I think, I think that's the danger because we're going to have counterfeit everything. You know what I mean? I mean, look, <laughs> like, and, yeah, sure. and it's wild. Think about that. You know, it's like. Yeah, but I think we could be honest too. We're looking at extreme applications of AI right yeah. now. There are so many functions for AI and algorithms sure. and, yeah. you know, fraudulent activity highlighting that is like, we're so thankful for, you for know, sure. so we're not exactly. waiting on a human just checking every, you know, transaction on a bank or something. There's an AI algorithm yeah. that is picking up things at yeah. record lightning pace yeah. that benefits, protects yeah. and all those kinds of things. That is probably the most fundamental use of AI right now. Yeah, I would fully agree with that. I think if you look historically at the benefits of technology, it's always moving society forward. Yes. Right? And yeah. so if we just go back to tractors, right? Right. If we, if we go back to things that have automated the agriculture and farming process, so thankful for that yes. because America used to be 95% farmers. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because of technology, we can be software engineers. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so yes. I do think that, you know, um, the net benefit is going to show again sure. that technology moves society forward. Yeah. Um, I think the fear comes with, is it doing people out of jobs? Yeah. yeah. And the answer is absolutely yes. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, there are jobs that exist today that didn't exist when I was in school. Exactly. So a lot of what, what do we come up with, Gen Alpha? Alpha. They're, yeah. they're training we, for jobs. Is it Alpha? It's it's 2010 to 2024. Oh, so cool. Lennox and Leo. So, yeah, so your, your busload of kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my poor kids. <laughs> poor so Gen Alpha are, kids, yeah. are training for jobs that don't even exist yet. Yes. Yeah. So the fundamental jobs that AI is taking is fine because there are net new jobs coming for things we don't even know yet. Mm-hmm. Yes. What's your hot take on, in that vein, creators, influencers? That's an occupation. Yeah. Creators and influencers. As an occupation, what do you mean? Yeah, like that's an example of a job that didn't exist. Oh, right. (laughs) Yeah, I I see what you're saying. Um, Yeah. Before. Yeah. uh, I think where people are very hesitant, why I bring that up, I think where people are very hesitant nowadays about technology is because a lot of the conversation has vilified Silicon Valley. Yeah. To be honest, has vilified meta social uh, networks in general, uh, social media overall. Um, I think a good portion of people feel like it's actually been net negative mm-hmm. to society. I don't know. That's that's yeah. debatable, right? <clears throat> I mean, I think what's debatable in my mind is what is an influencer. That's the question I've always <laughs> come around. Um, True. Good point. You know, because uh, and then the response I usually get from people is, you know, anybody that's persuading or influencing somebody. Sure. Um, my, my traditional mind is uh, influencing for what? Um, yeah, right. So, so I would I differentiate between an inspirer and an influencer. You know, maybe you're being inspired in fashion or inspired with a style or inspired with a culinary thing. It's probably better language. But yeah. I think influencing the way you live is probably how I look at influencing. Yeah. And they, I always get met with, well, you were influenced to purchase that garment. Sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, sure. But I think the true nature of a, of a real influencer is a, a probably an orientation to life or major decisions. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that even comes out of, right, the, the societal trend of social media. Yeah. Social media birthed influences. Yeah. Because everything was comparison. It didn't stay very long on taking photos of your food. I mean, let's go back to the sure. origin of Instagram. Yeah, or out of your feet at the beach. Of your feet at the there beach. so many. Really, food like, feet. Food yeah, feet. food and feet. <laughs> uh, but, like, it didn't stay there very long. It was, like, a hot minute. And then it became comparison. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Showing your life. Uh, you know, it's Instagram worthy. Uh, Now even travel was determined by, can I get the Insta shot? Mm -hmm. Can I I do it for the gram? Oh, for sure. That then people who got real good at that Mm -hmm. became the influencers. Yeah. And uh, then they made a profession out of it. Yeah. 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 A pretty good one too. I mean, what a a life. (laughs) What a life. No wonder the top 
uh, job desired for students today is influencer. Totally. Really? Yes, the number one desire. Every student, mm. most students want to be an influencer. When they yeah. leave school, YouTuber, influencer. To, wow. Or maybe TikToker now. To be for, on a social media. For alpha generation. That, that's a challenge, right? Because on the surface at least, and maybe I haven't thought about this deeply enough, is I, you know, my, where my mind goes is, has that been the most desired job move society forward? No. Or will it move society forward? <laughs> <The response, laughs> I might have a good reaction. But. I know I saw an article on LinkedIn that uh, Gen Z won't even apply for a job if the compensation isn't listed. Wow. So huh. it's not based on, I think, previous generations, it was based on profession. Yeah. It was based on an industry, yeah. maybe an art form or that kind of stuff. So a lot of it is boiled down to is the compensation. It's so interesting, right? Like craftsmanship, right? Is that idea, you know, being is that lost? Yeah, that in in a way, it's like this whole creator economy is hyper capitalistic. Yes, absolutely. And I'm a capitalist, but like you know, in the way that it's being expressed now, is that net benefit to society? That's a challenging (laughs) question. That is a challenge. You know, where everybody's trying, even crypto. Let's say about crypto. Everything is like, everybody's trying to monetize everything. Yeah. You know? Right. The, the excitement around crypto is we can financialize everything. Yeah. And it's like, oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I want to live in a world. <laughs> yeah, that brings up a good point. <laughs> Do, is our, does AI compete with that, though? Because obviously with Dali and, you know, mm-hmm. all these new platforms for AI, I mean, you can simply... I mean, if I'm a creator, I mean, I think I'm a creator. You are a creator, yeah. But AI makes it so easy. I think that with the recession and everything, are social media creators worried about AI? I haven't seen specifically anybody respond to it, but, like, is it something that they should be worried about? I definitely think some people should be worried. There's no doubt about it. I think in 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 a major societal change like this, what this introduces in is going to be definitely net new uh, trends and focuses. So anybody who's locked in to stay the same is going, should be worried. I think if you're always on the forefront of innovation, you're excited. Yeah, true. Right. Yeah. That's a good mentality. And so in every season, you can't stay still for long. I I think that's what we know. You can't just go, cool, this, I'm I'm leading here. I'm going to be leading forever. I think even leaders need to innovate. Yeah. yeah, because the moment you stop innovating, you start falling behind. Yeah. Right. And before you know it, you're stuck. You're yeah. stalled. Yeah, if you're like in a customer service support role um, for a big company yeah. uh, and your inquiries in the support channel are pretty rudimentary and simple, your job's probably going to be replaced. Yeah, I sent you a post about that. There was like several jobs that AI gets rid of. Yeah. One of them was um, insurance broker. Yeah. Think, you know, yeah. those kinds of things. Yeah, it's just like... And they've done well in the past. Insurance done broker, well. man. Yeah. Good, you know, but, mortgage brokers, things yeah. like that. But, you know, if AI can do it better and it could be a lot more humanistic yeah. than some of these bots have been in the past, right? those jobs may be going away. To your point, though, does that person in that customer support role or does that person in that insurance broker role uh use this um phase that we're in in society as an opportunity right (laughs) it's not just ai right let's talk blockchain Mm -hmm. blockchain Mm -hmm. is going to make jobs redundant i was talking to one of my good friends who's a i would say someone on the forefront of blockchain technology and he was giving me the the analogy of insurance for farmers yep so they would have insurance that is like three months of drought and then you're covered with insurance. Mm-hmm. So they can go three months of no rain. But traditional insurance is you debate that for six months. Right. They investigate for another mm-hmm. nine months. You've got a year and a half later, you still haven't seen your money, and by then you've gone out of business. Yep. So then they don't have to pay. Yeah. Well, now they've got blockchain agreements. So that smart as soon contracts. as... Yeah. Smart contracts. As soon as... It executes. It's no rain recorded for three months using AccuWeather, all these things. It's... No arbitration. It's not even... A request has to be submitted. Right. It's, it's a previous request that's locked deposited. in. Yeah. It's deposited on the moment. So it's changing insurance. Sure. It's a, it's a pre-agreed upon arrangement that is fulfilled. Yeah. And it can't be debated. That Some lawyers should be scared. Some lawyers. <laughs> <should. laughs> that's so interesting. Yeah. Well, again, it, it levels some playing fields. And, yeah. it and it's disruptive, here. right? It's disruptive yeah. to the old guard yeah. who had a lock and monopoly on a system. 
And these new technologies change the industry. Yeah. I think maybe our resolve in this is some elements are scary, yeah. some elements are exciting. Right. But you sometimes have to take the good with the bad. Yeah. And you have to wade through it. Yeah. You got to wade through it. That that is that is definitely the case. What about you were talking earlier about villainizing Silicon Valley? Can yeah. I like change up the topic a little bit? Yeah. Just just give it because I love AI and if we keep talking about it, I'm gonna actually produce a rap that you guys will have to do. No, <laughs> it's really it cool to, it's really fun to use. Honestly. It'll be in the style of Beastie Boys. Um, yeah, exactly. Um no, just I, I wonder your take on the headlines have all been about, you know, all of the layoffs that have been happening. Honestly, yeah. just had a conversation right. with somebody who's at Amazon, some do goes for a church, and and um, just in our you know casual conversation was like I feel like I have a part time job because I'm I'm uh, chatting with all these people who have just lost their job at Amazon, right? Right. And he's like counseling them because right. it's been such a drain out. Oh, it's huge. So I mean, isn't there legitimacy a little bit to what's happening? Villain. I mean, it's like. Oh, so the critique not, of big tech and yeah. what's happening now, um, it's clear there was excessive hiring, for yeah. sure. I yeah. mean, we know people that are friends. Yeah. Um, you know, they're definitely not working 40 hours a week well, <laughs> in big I'm, tech. I guess what I'm asking yeah. is, is this a case of, hey, they didn't steward what they had? Or when you, in, you innovate, sometimes that happens, right? I mean, there were, you know... Yeah, you know what I'm saying. My, my, just... my take in the Silicon Valley in the past decade is that there was a crazy talent war, mm-hmm. and it was better for Google, Facebook, Apple, Amazon to just hire the best talent, even if they didn't have a job for them, Correct. rather That's than wild to me. them to go to another company. Correct. Yeah. That is so wild. <laughs> Correct. Stack your team. Stack your team to deprive the opposition yes. right. or the competitor from having that yes. team. And it doesn't really matter if all you do that day is check in for a meeting and then yeah. go to the gym and watch TV. Eat the free food. You're not breaking any rules because yeah. the premise of the hire was to just take you away. The problem for that person is you're not advancing your career. Yeah. I think what Correct. what we've got right now, and if I speak to the, say, 12,000 Google employees that just right. got to go, right. 30,000 contractors. Uh, yeah, right. that wasn't reported. Get rehired. Yeah. Um, yes. That's a lot of folks in the Silicon Valley who had a very comfortable impressive yep. wage and lifestyle. Yes. They could look at this as devastating, but maybe it's an innovating moment. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where they could reignite that burner. They could get that fired up again yeah. and and potentially reinvent themselves. Yes. Yes, they're going to be not used to the grind. Right. For sure. Yeah. And that will probably separate the sheep and the goats, so to <laughs> yeah, speak, yeah, you yeah. know, who can make it and who can't. Sure. Um, but I think if they can lean into some innovation, I think villainizing Silicon Valley really comes from did does Google really need to let these people go? Right. That that is a big critique. That's a good question. Because it's only marginally hurting their profit margin. Right. In my opinion. Yeah. And the CEO is getting paid a couple hundred million a year. Mm. <laughs> right. So the CEO is getting a couple of hundred million and we're firing someone. You know, it's, it's making like a hundred thousand. Yeah. There was an article. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I have to. Yeah, that's pretty this. villainizing. So you know. There was a. I don't know if you guys caught this, but Fortune Online, Fortune Magazine Online, posted something, and um, it was a TikToker who worked at Google, and every day she does a day in the life. Right? Did you see this? Because she's at the gym for like. She's two hours. She's like, okay, she's in the like cafeteria. And, and it's like, oh my gosh, I have to show you. We can cut it yeah, up when yeah, we yeah. do the video. Put in the show notes, yeah. She, she, she does a day in life and she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go get awesome food in the cafeteria. It's free, by the way, and it's gourmet. And right. because I missed breakfast and I'm going to hit the gym and I'm going to get a coffee. And it's, it's actually really well edited, very entertaining TikTok. <laughs> the very next day, it's like day in the life. I can't log in. I got a message from my boss that says you need to check out this article and she finds out she's getting canned oh. because the article and then she's locked out of her email. Ouch. And then she turns it into a selfie video and she's like bawling and she's talking through it and everything. I don't want to do tomorrow. Just follow along and you'll see what day of life looks like tomorrow. <laughs> she's going to be an influencer now. <laughs> she's going to blow up. She innovated. <laughs> 
it's oh uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna show you the video, but it's just it's it's interesting. Yeah, it definitely fans the flame of the story of the villain of Google. There's a saying for that. Don't bite the hand that feed you. <laughs> it's true. All the free food. Yeah, it's true. She's yeah. mocking her own gift horse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no surprise there. Yeah, I think the reality of a lot of these things, right, um, the FTX debacle, the, the big tech layoffs, yeah. you know, all these things, in a way, I feel like for the people that choose yeah. it, it could be a really great learning opportunity. Um, personally and as a society to understand not how to bite the hand that feeds you. Just be smart, be wise, (laughs) like understand what work ethic looks like, understand that, hey, the, maybe the season of excessiveness is not going to be there anymore. And I think, you know, people that have lived through the prior recessions and things like that, I think they look back at it saying, hey, that was... That was uncomfortable. That was hard, but we were better for it. Right. Yes. Like we learned. Yeah. You know, something for sure. Okay. Both of you are those type of people. Okay. And I'm assuming that if you are subscribing to this podcast, you're probably you're one of those a person people. who is going to debate. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Let's say it's somebody who's just trying to get in the mix of that. It's true. How do you respond? It's like, true. what are the steps? If I could turn it into that conversation yeah. real quick, like, you know, how would you, how do you take an opportunity and make it a, you know, hard fork and you're taking a left turn and into innovation. Yeah. How would you do that if you're looking at an epic failure or a layoff? I think always the first key to innovation is taking control of your thoughts. Mm. You know huh. what I mean? I think if, if you stay stuck in that disappointment and uh, feeling sorry for yourself um, or you were hard done by, cheated, you're actually going to waste a lot of time and energy trying to get restitution yeah. or, or trying to come back that. But to be able to kind of shake it off and look for opportunities. There is speed to market with a lot of these things. Because yeah. you've got to realize if if I'm just one of the Google employees that got fired, yeah. I'm at least one of 12,000 plus yep. the contractors yeah. that are now going to be looking for opportunities. Yeah, yeah. you're now in so competition. Every day I spend wallowing. That's true. Yeah. Or doing the foolish, one of the craziest things I see is when someone leaves a job and they say, for this next season, I'm going to take take time to find myself. <laughs> right. Yes. I always look at that and go, right. why? What wow. do you mean? Yeah. I'm going to go like, travel. Like, what go, are you yeah. doing? You know what I mean? And, uh, and no, no, this is, you're going to get, that's called, you're going to get into a rut. I, I really believe you're going to mm. find yourself in no man's land. Yeah. And then uh, once you get to the rock bottom, then trying to innovate from rock bottom is a really tough place to innovate yeah. from. Yeah. Because you still need some momentum and some resources. Right. That's that's good. Because so now you're also behind all of those other folks who Correct. picked up the pace. Yeah. Didn't go travel yes. for two years. To figure I out also know this. It may take some humility. Yeah. So if you're set on getting an exact same position at a different company. Yeah. Uh, we know in the early days, we, we knew someone pretty high up in tech who uh, was very prominent in a, in a high-tech position that, that whole department shut down. They they lost their job and literally spent, I think it was five years looking for another yeah. high-level role. Yeah. Would oh. not take anything less, less than, than VP role. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes. yes. But yes. spent five years burning through their savings yes. and getting to a plate of desperation where they had to move out of the Bay Area yep. because they were still holding out for that role. <gasps> you could have taken a lesser role right. early and Rebuilt your way back up. So I think the humility to say, That's interesting. I, I, maybe I need to wind it back yeah. to, to launch. And am, am I willing to take a pay cut? Mm. And uh, maybe in a new industry, yeah. maybe in a new sphere. Yeah. Um, I think that's innovation is shaking yourself up into a new place to see what, what you can do. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That's interesting. I think, if, oh, I think if you're listening to this, obviously you're, like I said, you're probably in this niche. You probably want to learn how to innovate. What about a person who doesn't know what they're good at? I mean, because you've said before, which is such a great leadership quote that I always think to of just knowing enough to be dangerous. But let's say a person (laughs) in this Gen Z group has followed this path. And I'm much older, so I did not learn this computer science space. I did not follow this, like, tech bump, you know, in that season. I went to school for theater, you know. Right. So right. I had to just keep figuring out, innovating in different ways of just finding jobs, right? right? 
But I, I think of these people who are like 20s and 30s who maybe don't know what they're good at. Sure. And just fell right into business administration and got a really good job. Sure. Oh, it's totally. like bloated tech <laughs> yes. season. Yes. Yep. Yep. Right. So how do you, do you look at what you're good at or do you, you know what I'm saying? Cause mm. do you know what I'm saying? That's like, do you, is that a good tip? Figure out what you're good at and then put invest into that. Or do you just look for a good opportunity? I think follow passion more than anything, right? That, yeah. That's always a, a surefire way to have energy to do what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, expertise comes from experience. Yeah. Yeah. No one's an expert no. when they right. first start, but experience in an industry creates an expertise. Yeah. Uh, so in other words, just do it long enough and you can do it with your eyes closed. Okay? Yep. Yeah. Um, but I think you could do something long enough and still hate it. Right. So what's better that's is to true. be an expert at something you love. Yeah. yeah, something that gives you that natural drive. Yeah. So I always find the best innovators are the most passionate about that product. Yeah. They, yeah. they have an energy to grind it out even when it's not making money. Because True. innovation True. doesn't Resilience. make money at the beginning. Nope. Right. <laughs> uh, you have to be willing to sacrifice. Yep. Yeah. You have to forego things. And you need passion to do that in a market like we're in right now. Yeah. I think the true innovators are certainly sold out on the product. They're big believers. Mm -hmm. Their values wrapped up mm -hmm. in it. Those are the things that will sustain you beyond a salary. Yeah, uh, I agree. The salary will come when it's successful, but success isn't overnight. So mm -hmm. I think you need to have that that uh, that passion, that drive, or at least that inquisitiveness about something. Totally. Yeah. I, you know, another way I frame it is, um, you know, follow problems and follow people. Yeah. So more than like what I feel like I'm good at, what's a problem I want to solve? Yeah. <laughs> right? Because yeah. I'm passionate to solve a problem, I'll figure out how to get good at it sure. to be able to solve it. Yeah. Um, and also, I think if you're starting from a very rudimentary, like foundational level, yeah. like earliest on in my career, I always ask this question. I was like, okay, whoever I'm under or whoever is like a big voice or dictating my career path, do I want to be them in sure. five years? Yeah. And if I'm ever challenged with that question, then I'm trying to reformat how my life could look like. Yeah. A lot of times I feel like people are not um, valuing enough the people in their world or the people that they want to be like. Mm. Because if you frame it around that, yeah. then again, it's not about money. It would behoove you to find out that person that you really look up to. Work for them for free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Work for them but for free, and that would advance. That used that to be would advance I mean, apprenticeship. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> okay, so I'm 42. My oh, I did so many internships before yes, I had right. a paying job. Yeah. And I did uh, nothing. Like there were nothing. Where it was the grunt work. I read so. We many used to scripts. call it work experience. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was called. You get experience. Credit. Even after I graduated, I got more college credit <laughs> just in case right. for whatever reason. Yeah. But I think what you're saying is it seems novel now. It sounds no. so like. That's how I started in uh, electrical. Right. Uh, when I was an electrician, yeah. I worked for free work experience for an electrician for six months. Yeah. yeah. And uh, after six months, I got hired by a competitor. Yeah. They thought I was already employed. And I was working for free. Yes. yes. Um, nice. And uh, ended up getting employed. But I think that goes back to, and I was good at it. Yeah. I was good at it. Like we just, you know, built an electrical business, but I didn't love it. Yeah. Right. So I don't think just because you're good at something. That's a good point. That's the indicator. Because right. you can be good at something but not love it. Like okay. I, I was good at it, but I didn't love crawling under houses and crawling in roofs and, yeah. you know, all the labor work and, you know, there was limited income you can make with your hands, sure, you're going to make more yeah. money with your head. And and so uh, I began to follow something I was passionate about. Yeah. And uh, ultimately, I think whatever you're passionate about has a way to, to gravitate finances oh, yeah. to keep you sustaining. But mm. if you're making decisions based on finances, you're going to live a hollow life. Yeah. yeah. I think we all know that. Yeah. Um, I think they'll follow passion. And it's yeah. it's interesting how finances eventually follow. Because the thing is, when you're passionate about it, and here's a good indicator, are you thinking about it in the shower? Right. Yeah. If uh, that's the case, yeah. you have an advantage. Yeah. yeah. You have an advantage. Like, yeah. if you're literally before bed, you're, like, thinking about it. Yeah. Right? Like, the way really that 
um, we think about building ministries and yeah. the way that we think about building businesses. Like yeah. there are certain aspects of it that we're just probably thinking about in our free time. Yes. yes. Advantage. Yes. You do get <laughs> right. a little obsessive when you're building something, yeah. new, don't you? Like I think. You got it. Yeah. 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 I think that's really interesting. Well, what's the what's the balance though? Because you have, and again, I might be biased because of my age, you have a generation of people who are looking for what they love to do. Mm. And then probably, I mean, it's the classic American Idol situation, right? Like leaning into trying to build something. You're right. I think you what know? we've got here is a problem. Yeah. And AI I think you exposed the problem. <laughs> Guys, I think flaw in our logic. A flaw in our logic. <laughs> Because they may love being a TikTok influencer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you, you now have right. AI right. to level up your creativity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So do we need more influencers in the world? It's, tr- it's true. Or no, do we need crafts people? It's it's true. I don't know. Yeah. I, that's my question. I guess yeah. I think I think time is gonna be the best truth teller here that it's popular yeah. um, large in part because it's lucrative. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. But I do think that people will accelerate towards that emptiness a lot faster. Yeah. Of like, you know what? I'm not really a TikTok craftsman. <laughs> like, actually, I, I, I want to manage the forest, or I want to, I yeah. want to build a business, or I want to go into ministry, or whatever sure. that is. Um, my guess, if I were to make a guess, yeah. I feel like people are rushing to these trends. Yeah. People are. Did you say to this? Would you say that that why we see an epidemic of burnout? That's a really great point. That's a good... Well, let's just take it in our niche ministry context really quick. Right. Um, For a season, uh, before a lot of things happened in the past couple of years, it was like pop culture to church plant. Yes. (laughs) No, it was very fashionable. It was like in Vogue. Yeah. For like, in a weird way, it was like... To be a church planner. Cool. It was hip. It was really hip. You had some iconic celebrityism yeah. almost yeah. To, to plan a church. And so I wonder how many people went into it with that framing and burnt out. Right. Right. <laughs> because they flocked to it because of the, you know. Yeah. I think maybe there's a couple of things in there, you know, uh, that what passion will do is push you through the hard seasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And without the real passion, maybe it was just attractive mm-hmm. or even if it was just lucrative. Yeah. Sure. I'm not saying the ministry is by any means <laughs> lucrative, but, you know, maybe an influencer. And then after a while, I think in the influencer space, there has to be a point where you go, I'm just behind a camera pretending. Exactly. I'm not authentic. Yeah. Exactly. And then that creates burnout. I think in maybe the church space, there's a lot of people that got on, into it under false pretenses. Yep. And missed the fact mm. that, oh, this is really hard. <laughs> and not only is it hard, I'm comparing myself real time. Wow. So what's consuming my mind is comparison yeah. rather than conviction. Yeah. And that will lead to burnout. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we've talked about this a couple of times recently. I just have been so... Um, impacted by how many pastors I'm meeting nowadays mm-hmm. that have just got back from a sabbatical, currently on a 12-month sabbatical, right. or are about to go on right. <laughs> a 12-month sabbatical. And they're probably not in ministry more than four or five years. Right. And, you know, um, I don't think a sabbatical in and of itself is is bad, but I'm more looking at it from a macro perspective on how many, like statistically, right. um, how many are facing this crisis because a lot of it is not like under a healthy premise sure. a lot of it is like oh no i need to do this or, or i'll burn out yeah. or i already feel burnt out yeah right and it's just it's been so interesting to see that i feel like that's accelerated yeah, um, yeah it's definitely a net new thing mm-hmm. it's definitely a, a modern thing i mean back when we were doing ministry starting ministry even two decades ago uh there, there wasn't this much talk I don't think I'd ever heard the word sabbatical. <laughs> right. Uh, right. In Australia, you have a unique thing, right, where every 10 years of working in the same company, you get long service leave. You actually get a three-month vacation. So it's like job well done. Job well done. That's You've right. done it. A decade. It, 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 yeah, so it's loyalty. So it's, it's for loyalty for a decade. Uh, That's brilliant. Industry, all that kind of stuff, and then they give you extended vacation. Wow. Love it. I think in that respect – that's great uh, as a reward. Yeah. And I think a sabbatical, in in my context, should be a reward for maybe doing 10 years. Right. 
you know, really putting it in. Let's reward you. I don't know if the sabbatical should be, I'm fried. Right. I need to... I need a break or I can't survive. Well, you, you said this once before, right? Where if that is the case, you're probably not doing it right. You're not carrying it right. <laughs> you're not carrying it right. Yeah, I don't think you're carrying it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you may be, you're consuming your mind with comparison. Mm. You know, you're consuming mm. your mind with uh, maybe competitive. Like you're watching what they're doing and you're watching what that church is doing or you're watching what that influence is doing. And it's creating a discontent yeah. where you're never satisfied. I think that produces an anxiety that burns people out. Okay, so I want to go a layer deeper in here because literally an entrepreneur in our community asked me this yesterday, okay. um, right before one of our, our leadership classes uh, last night. And he said he's, he's building this company and he's trying to think from a first principle standpoint how he motivates people and incentivizes people hmm. and rewards mm-hmm. performance. Okay. And what he, is, what he shared with me biblically conflicted about is he feels like the Bible does not in, actually endorse competition, but the way our capitalistic society works and the way that most company works actually um, has competition at the forefront to uh, push people to produce their best work, right? And so he was just like really conflicted. He's like, hey, Vance, like, is competition biblical? Like, can I have these performance structures? Is that not the way that, you know, we should do it as Christians? And, you know, it's really interesting. I think there's fundamentally what we're going to differentiate between is competition and comparison. They're two Those different are two things. different things. Okay. Paul says, <clears throat> I run the race to win. Mm. Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah. So if you run to win, there's a competition. You, can, there's you can lose. Yeah. There's a clear losing. Sure. So he's like, I'm going to run to win. Yeah. But I don't think... Being competitive is wrong. I think being the best version of yourself, mm. pacing off other people, yeah. is gives you a good market. I mean, you go to the gym. My wife talks about this all the time. She goes to Orange Theory, and Kira's always like, oh, there was this new person, and they were trying to beat me. I'm like, babe. <laughs> they don't know you. Babe, <laughs> they were probably just in their own world, but you're like, oh, I'm going to beat you, you know. And it's, I love how competitive she is. But it drives her to a better result. Yeah. Than she would if she was just working on her own. Yeah, yeah. I think it's different when you're comparing yourself to somebody else, yeah. and maybe you're, you're not at that level. That's good. That consumes you. Yeah, that's good. I think competition will drive you. Comparison will consume you. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, hopefully that helps somebody that you know got laid off, or maybe has a friend that sure. got laid off. Is yeah. Um, you know, don't get stuck. Don't get in stuck comparing where you're at versus maybe your friend that didn't get laid off. But yes. hey, how can you be the best version of yourself in this season? Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. You know, I so fully agree. That's what, really. What would you say to the other person? I've spoken to a lot of people who have a little bit of an imposter syndrome that's rising up with those that didn't get laid off. I don't, I can tell you multiple. Things. Interesting. It's an interesting thing because there was not clarity on why departments or people specifically it wasn't performance based so there's a lot of people who are like why did they get canned i'm still here they're way better and so they were um i have a specific person i'm thinking about in one of our campuses she was like i don't know why i was able to hold on to my job and so she was working through her own emotions around having a little bit of so she felt bad she felt bad she felt bad and so um I've What's always, the opportunity in that? Yeah, yeah. I've always struggled with the concept of imposter syndrome, yeah. to be honest, because um, it's it's always confused me a little bit. I, I've definitely been in situations where I think I get the concept, yeah. but then I always go towards, oh, I'm on house money. I'm so yeah. grateful to, <laughs> to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I don't know if it's helpful for me to feel bad. Right. And I don't okay. know if it helps anybody. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've got no advice there. I, I honestly, <laughs> I love it. I honestly don't understand the mentality of feeling guilty or like you're not worthy yeah. or you right. faked it. Unless you lied. Sure. Yeah, there you Unless go. You're you actually lied. dishonest. Yeah, yeah, if you were dishonest, you lied about your your education level. It's not a syndrome. You're actually an imposter. You're actually a liar. <laughs> you're, you're actually a liar. You're actually an imposter. You're just coming to the light. Yeah. So in that <laughs> sphere, sure, you should feel bad. Rectify that. Come clean. Live guilt-free. Sleep well at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it's just like you feel like it's hard and you don't know what you do, let me awaken you. Nobody knows. What Nobody knows doing. what they're doing. Nobody yes, that'll knows. free somebody. Yeah. That'll actually free somebody. Nobody knows. We're all trying to figure it out. Um, 
And maybe your breakthrough is just shaking that off and just figure it out. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we sell a, a crypto donation platform to mm-hmm. pastors, um, one of the categories that we serve. And one of the biggest things that I hear back is like, hey, I'm just like intimidated by this Vance. Um, I don't know really anything about crypto. And I free them. I'm like, I live in the Silicon Valley and neither do I. So yes. welcome to the club. <laughs> and everybody that says they're a crypto expert doesn't know either because yeah. they lost a lot of money and they still live in yes. the same neighborhood I do. Right. So yeah. <laughs> nobody's winning. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's amazing. That's so true. So free. Totally. Great conclusion, though. Don't be an imposter. Yeah. Yeah, just don't be. Just Just don't be it. Be honest. Yeah, be honest. I love it. I think there's something about living with authenticity, the freedom that comes with just uh, maybe admitting to yourself, I don't know anything, but, hey, I didn't hire me. They hired me. Let's go. I'm going to connect a couple dots. Will AI ever become authentic? (laughs) Will AI ever have imposter syndrome? (laughs) hey if you enjoyed this episode we'd love to hear from you let us know by emailing us at podcast at hypenetwork.org now if you want to be at one of our live sessions i really encourage you right away get over to hypenetwork.org and go down to upcoming events and register yourself for any one of those pop-ups Um, that are happening around the country and also at Amen Conference here at Vive Church. Now, listen, our sessions tend to sell out. We tend to get to max capacity with every single one that we've done. So I wouldn't sleep on this. And if you know somebody who is an innovator, investor, CEO, founder, business leader, ministry leader that needs to be in the room, get them the link right away. So that's at hypenetwork.org. Scroll down to upcoming events and just go ahead and click through. And we really hope to see you there.